If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The wind whispered. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Through the towering pines as I stood at the edge of Grand Teton National Park, a sense of unease settling in my chest. A series of unexplained disappearances had shaken the tranquility of this wilderness, and as a park ranger... It was my duty to unravel the mystery while ensuring the safety of the park's visitors. The task ahead was daunting, but I was determined to find answers. As I delved deeper into the investigation, strange markings etched into tree trunks caught my attention. They seemed deliberate, almost like a language written by nature itself. Local stories whispered about a creature lurking in the shadows, a being that defied explanation. People spoke of it in hushed tones, attributing the disappearances to its malevolent presence. 
I dismissed the tales as mere legends, but the marks in the woods seemed to hint at something more. One moonlit night, while on patrol, I glimpsed the unimaginable. A creature like something out of a nightmare, feasting on the remains of a dead hiker. It was a chilling sight that sent shivers down my spine. Its eyes bore into mine with an intensity that froze my blood. Spittle ran down its face, its matted fur, a grotesque mix of cream, red, and brown. Its face held an unsettling blend of wolf-like and human features, a twisted fusion that defied the laws of nature. Though my instinct screamed for me to flee, I fought the fear that threatened to consume me. I aimed my rifle, my trembling fingers finding their mark. The shot rang out, hitting the creature square in its grotesque form. It screeched, a sound that echoed through the night, and darted back into the woods, disappearing into the darkness. My heart pounded in my chest, and I questioned the reality of what I had just witnessed. Approaching the scene with caution, I called my colleagues using a walkie, talkie to report the grim discovery. As they arrived, the realization of the horror before us settled in. Remains of a hiker lay strewn across the forest floor. Evidence of the creature's brutality. I recounted my encounter, every detail etched into my memory, like a nightmare I couldn't escape. Then a new presence arrived among us. Representatives from the Secret Service, their expression somber. They listened intently as I recounted my story, but their responses were cryptic. They informed me that they were taking over the case and instructed me to remain silent about what I had experienced. Confusion mingled with frustration as I protested, demanding answers. Their stern gazes held a weight of authority that silenced me. With a heavy heart, I relinquished control of the investigation, watching as they gathered evidence and documented the scene. They disappeared into the woods, leaving me with a sense of helplessness that gnawed at my soul. Days turned into weeks, and the park's visitors remained blissfully unaware of the terror that had unfolded. I continued my duties, haunted by the memory of that creature's malevolent gaze. The park regained its facade of tranquility, but the shadows held secrets that I could no longer access. And so I watched over the park in silence, knowing that some mysteries were better left buried, even as the memory of that creature's haunting eyes continued to haunt my dreams. I ran into Bigfoot on the beach. I'd been a beach bum for a bit, haunting the shores of a coastal town. It wasn't a bad gig. I'd figured out how to live pretty comfortably, and I was making more than I ever had in the string of dead-end jobs I'd been able to keep. Alcoholism is a harsh mistress, but I figured out that if I stayed under the police radar and stayed out of the dope game, people left me alone. I sold glass and macrame jewelry. Sitting on the beach in a wife beater and BDU cargo pants for most of that summer, I made the arrowheads from the bottoms of bottles. The little eccentrics were from broken arrowheads. Gage the tourist sized them up and charged whatever I could. Once in a while, a nice tourist girl would pick me up and I'd spend a night in a hotel. I mostly stayed by myself. I built a little lean. 
to out of driftwood and the California sun was warm enough, I didn't really need a sleeping bag or anything. Wake up at 2 a.m., take three shots. Wake up at 6 and take three shots. Then grab my blanket and wander back to where I was selling stuff. I'd drink sporadically during the day. Then I'd retreat back to my little hideaway and get shit hammered. I was wandering back to my hideaway one night. My hair was braided up, and I had a cigarette in one hand and a bottle of bourbon in the other. The bag thrown casually over my shoulder had a couple of perch and some urchins in it. My money was mostly for booze, after all. The thing wandered out of the ocean and looked at me. I looked back. It stood about seven feet tall. Its eyes were bulbous, and it had a very obvious fishy flare to it. I put the cigarette in my mouth and reached down to the knife on my belt. I'm not much of a boxer or a wrestler, but I can scrap and I don't spook easily. We made baleful eye contact for a bit and then it turned around and walked back into the waves. I kept walking, unsnapping the sheath on my knife, but otherwise a bit unfazed. Find a fatalistic, homeless alcoholic and I'll show you someone who really doesn't give a damn. I started the fire back at my little lean-to and cracked the urchin with a couple of spoons. I should have stolen some lemon, too, but urchin aren't bad eating anyways. I tossed the shells into the waves while I gutted the perch and cooked them. I proceeded to kill the bottle of bourbon and retrieve the cheap handle of vodka from inside the lean, too. No one really bothered me. I'd had some trouble with a group of tweakers when I first got down here. Got my ass kicked pretty good, but I'd also managed to put two of the group in the hospital before I limped away. I was a hard target. I really had nothing. I wasn't in their game, and I left them alone as long as they didn't bother me. The one who'd gotten the worst of it had lost an eye during the brawl. The cops never questioned me about it. Truth was that no one gave a shit. I'd sometimes turn and find him watching me, and I'd always give him the finger and keep going. He knew better than to screw with my camp. I chucked the bits of perch I didn't eat into the waves. Just letting them roll out with the tide, I was pretty sure I saw a scaled hand grab at the spine of one. But I decided I was just drunk. Now there's something a lot of people don't talk about. The missing women get a lot of attention, but the missing men don't. And trust me, a lot of us disappear out there. Sometimes we just skip town without telling anyone. Sometimes a fight gets lethal and there's no one to look. That doesn't account for all of them, though. And I'd seen a number in my time. I'd heard that there were a lot of them out here, but it never bothered me. It was a tourist town, after all, and a lot of people would just move on. I was less scared than you'd think by the giant fishy thing. You spend enough time on the road and in the woods, and sooner or later you realize that there are some weird little cracks in the world. Don't act like you're in a horror movie, and glimpses are mostly what you get. The quiet places of the earth don't abide by the same rules. The gods of the roads rule the long expanses between towns and Mother Nature is one hell of a weird bitch. I developed some superstitions. Black dogs, mostly. That's another story. Like I said, don't get too close. Don't investigate. Leave the weird to itself and it leaves you to yourself. That's life out here? A lot of home bums don't get it, but travelers... We see a lot, and there's really no talking about it with normal people since. Let's face it, 
Most of us have some pretty serious issues with addiction and mental illness. I went to sleep on my blanket and woke up at 2 a.m. like usual. Physical addiction to alcohol doesn't abide by what hours you want to sleep. You just deal with it. I took a shaky shot and watched the quiet waves lap up the shore, then took another two back. Two back and lit a cigarette. It wasn't the best life, but it was a good one. You'd be surprised at how many of the downfalls of alcoholism come from other people. The thing emerged again. Walking alongside my campsite and looking at the glowing embers of the fire, I tossed a piece of driftwood on, watching it flare up so I could get a better look at it. Curiosity got the better of me. Again, I regretted the decision almost immediately. It was scaled from head to toe, clawed as well. It had big teeth. Its eyes were the worst part, bulbous and fish-like with a hint of cunning. I took the bottle of vodka to my mouth and two long swallows. You may as well sit down, I said, motioning to a thick trunk I'd dragged near the fire. If you're looking to scare me, you did it already. It looked at me and I repeated the gesture. The fish Bigfoot thing sat down across the fire from me. I turned around and grabbed my rucksack, figuring I'd break bread with it. I found the jerky and offered it a piece. It reached out and took it and threw it in its mouth. Might want to chew that, big boy. I said as it made some sputtering noises. I gestured at my mouth and mam chewing. It reached into its enormous maw and pulled the chunk of jerky forward and tried its best to chew. The pointed teeth shredded and tore at it for a while. Guess you don't really have the right equipment for it. I took another long pull on the bottle. It gestured at the bottle and I looked at it through the side of my eye. Why the hell not? Careful with that, I said, making a gesture for a small amount with my right hand. Poquito, you know. I handed the bottle over and fish. Bigfoot took a short amount of it. It looked at me like I'd betrayed it and handed the bottle back. It ain't for everyone. I told it flatly, this is a professional drink. I chuckled and it mimicked me until we were both outright laughing. It sounded more like a frog than anything, but it was decent company. I was a couple of miles out of town, and it was pretty rare that anyone came out to my camp other than the sheriff who checked up on me once in a while. I sat there just kind of having a one-sided conversation with it until the sun came up. As soon as the first rays of the sun started showing, it stood up. I waved at it, and it waved back. It walked back into the tide. Things went like that for a few nights. One-sided drunk conversations with fish. Bigfoot. It seemed to like me. At least enough, it brought me a thresher shark, although it seemed a bit offended when I cooked my portion. My days got a bit dark, though. My life, it wasn't bad. I was free to be me, which mostly meant drunk and alone. That's not how it goes for everyone out there. All one. I had been stalking me for a while, but was gone all of a sudden. I met a teenage runaway. I tried to convince her to go home, but whatever she was running from was worse than life out here. At the very least, I told her, stay away from the dope. Pretty soon, she was running around with the tweakers who kept camp closer to town. She'd come and talk to me during the day, and I watched the pretty little thing lose weight and start acting oddly. I knew this game. I was a drunk, not a hero, just a scrappy loner, albeit I was apparently some kind of fish. Bigfoot Whisperer. 
playing hero. Well, it goes badly. I'd done it a few times, and right now I just kind of absorbed the sad and watch. I'd been chilling with fish, Bigfoot, whom I was now calling Henry for three weeks. The weird was lessening quite a bit. We'd managed some rudimentary two-way communication. He liked fish, bugged me for jerky, and after some amount of experimentation, it turns out Henry was a big fan of tequila. I had enough spare cash that it wasn't a big deal, but he drank like, well, a seven-foot-tall, 300-pound fish. Bigfoot, he even brought a friend a couple of times. Henry was pretty damn big for his race, as far as I could tell. He towered over most of the other ones he brought. So one night, when I heard stirring by the fire, I sat up and saw Henry standing there with a serious look on his face. Bared teeth, the fin on his head raised. For a split second, I thought he was going to eat me. He didn't. He motioned for me to follow him. When I got up, he looked at me doubtfully and then pointed at my knife. I took the hen and strapped it onto my belt. Stopping long enough to grab my bourbon and smokes as well. I offered him the tequila bottle, but he waved it away. He began moving down the beach, and I followed him. We'd made it about a half mile when I heard the screams. I quickened my pace to a solid run, chucking the cigarette to the side. Ahead of me, Henry began moving quickly. He stopped suddenly when we were near the sources and motioned at himself in the trees. I didn't like the scene I came upon. One... I had a knife in his hand, standing above the runaway that had been talking to me. The others stood around, all shirtless and painted with various symbols. I don't play hero, I told myself softly. I took a long swig of the bourbon and pulled the knife. I don't play hero. I charged in without really spending a whole lot more time thinking about it. Not a hero, just doing what needed to be done. The girl had been cut up already. I ran directly into one eye before he could plunge the knife. You mother F, he said to me as we bowled over. I slashed at him with a big combat knife, laying open his cheek underneath a dead eye. Someone grabbed me from behind and I felt a knife slice at my left arm. I tore free and spun, slashing at the other one. They circled me and I stood over the girl watching the sides and turning in a slow circle. A half dozen of them close, another four hanging back. For the first time since I'd left the woods all those years ago, I really wished I'd had a gone. The first one leapt towards me. and I swept to the side and stuck forward with a knife. He missed me, and a moment afterwards I realized he'd been aiming for the bound girl. The hilt hit his stomach. Cutting people up is a grisly business. A slash here and there is one thing but sticking it in their guts. You can smell it. There were two dead aggressors in my past. As I pulled the knife free with a twist, I assumed it was now three. I figured I could handle two more before I got cut, or I could let them have the girl and run. I'm no hero, I told myself. I caught a blow aimed at the girl with my left forearm, feeling the knife dig deep. I snapped in a way I hadn't since I'd been in the woods that weren't woods all those years ago. I tore into them, catching blows aim at the girl. Blood mixed. I wasn't sure whose was. Who's within seconds. I knew I was getting fainter and weaker by the second. A blow came for the girl, struck her stomach, and she screamed and twisted against her bands. I fell to my knees. Sure, I was going to be dead soon. Henry suddenly came running into the circle. 
It worked, one eye screamed. I took the opportunity to use the last of my strength, reaching for him with my knife. I struck home, dragging it outward and to the right. Henry tore into the tweakers. Fish Bigfoot was on my side. What I'd been doing was gruesome. His attacks were overkill. He ripped off limbs with ease and bit off heads. For my part, I hammered on one eye with the butt of my knife until he was an unrecognizable mess. Two more of them came out of the waves. They began dragging the bodies back into the sea as I sat there, exhausted. Henry moved toward the girl after all of the bodies were gone, and I tried to stand and get myself in the way. He held me up, then bent down to untie the girl. For my part, I finally collapsed. When I woke up, Henry was gone and the cops were there. I left town two days later, richer for my experience with fish. Bigfoot Henry. I'll always say it's not time to be curious when the weird shows up, but I think my life is richer for the time I spent with Henry. I'm in the desert now, but someday I want to go back and see if he'll drink some tequila with me and we can enjoy the beach like the good old days. It's time for a light supernatural story. Not so much of a hiking, though. It was a survival test for joining a mountaineering club in my campus. There were twenty-ish of us, including myself, in the middle of the woods, with our foods were confiscated by the recruitment committee, so that we needed to find natural foods from nature such as fruit, especially banana, edible plants, or even locust or snake, if lucky. Miserable test, but valuable experience indeed. One day it was raining so hard in the afternoon and all of our five groups hadn't finished set up our group bivouacs. We intentionally set them near each other so we could check everyone instantly. Something is going wrong. No one was talking or chatting to each other. It was only given by our soaked clothes and empty stomachs when suddenly all of us heard a hysterical woman scream. In five seconds, surprised woman scream. Everyone heard it, and the scream was so close and loud, we all thought it was one of us screaming because of snake or something. So naturally, the boys jolted instantly to a bivouac we thought was the source of the scream. No girls were crouching or standing up as we imagined. All of us stared at each other, especially the girls, as we thought one of them was pulling a prank on us to surprise us. No one claimed the scream nor admitted that it was her joke. Everyone looked equally shocked. After minutes of investigating the girls, we then went back to our respective groups with an unanswered incident, even after the recruitment process was finished and we went back to civilization. After we officially members of the club, we shared that story to our seniors. And it turns out the place my batch used to set bivouacs was the first time to be used in five years. In the last batch used that part of the woods experienced the exact screaming incident, also without any logical explanation, and they chose to base that incident as their batch name Forest's Cry. I'm genuinely concerned for my mental well-being after a recent unsettling incident in my home. I've considered sharing my experience in a post both here and on our mental health. However, I'm hesitant about the latter, as I fear some might rush to diagnose me with conditions like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Up until now, 
I haven't displayed any signs of mental instability or depression, apart from a brief period of sadness about external issues that occurred several years ago and left no lasting effects. I'm currently in my 20s attending university, and the past few years have generally been quite positive with some good news regarding my career and relationship. I apologize for the lengthy introduction, but I wanted to provide context and convey the shock I'm currently experiencing. I recently witnessed unexplainable activity, and since the only response I've received from those close to me is you're crazy, I'm seeking others who may have had similar experiences or insights. Here's what happened. It was around 11 p.m. and I had just returned home from a choir session. While I wasn't particularly tired, I was eager to relax in bed and catch up on a Netflix series I had been looking forward to. I hurriedly made my way home without paying much attention to my surroundings. It wasn't until I stood in front of my door that I realized it was wide open. I live in an area where it's customary to leave doors open until late at night or until every family member is home. It's a close-knit village where everyone knows each other and each home is enclosed by fences with a garden, making it easy to spot any potential intruders from a window. Returning to the story, I reached inside the entrance to trigger the light sensor and adjust the triangular device. I'm not sure of the English term for it that my family uses to prop the door open. However, the entrance and the stairs leading to the apartments remained in darkness. Despite my eyes being accustomed to the darkness, I noticed that the door to my family's apartment was also wide open at the end of the few steps in front of me. This situation unnerved me, but what happened next was even more unsettling. I suddenly felt extremely dizzy, as if I were intoxicated, and I stumbled backward outside, losing my balance on the doorstep. That's when I saw it, a figure emerging from my apartment, standing before me for a few moments, and then ascending another set of stairs. The figure had long hair, but I couldn't discern any other details due to its black silhouette. Its movements were peculiar, as if its legs weren't moving normally, but instead sliding up the steps. My stomach churned with fear. I became convinced that there were intruders in my house and I grew increasingly worried for my brother, who lived in the apartment above mine and was at home that night. I was afraid that the intruders might catch him off guard. In a state of panic, I backed away from the house and rushed to the gate, frantically ringing my brother's doorbell. He answered shortly after, asking if I had forgotten my keys. I hesitated for a few seconds, unsure of what to say. Finally, I asked if our parents were home. They were not. I inquired if he had friends over. He replied in the negative. I cautiously returned to the entrance and listened for any sounds, but there was nothing. A few minutes later, my cat approached me, seeking attention, and then entered the house. Strangely, the lights on the stairs immediately came on. I stood in my garden for a while, feeling bewildered, frightened, and on the verge of fainting. I was sweating profusely. Summoning my courage, I entered the house, clutching my keys as a makeshift defense. I reached my brother's floor without encountering anyone or anything unusual. I peeked inside, and upon seeing my brother's family on the couch, simply bid them good night. I rushed down to my own apartment, locked the door, and meticulously checked every room. 
That night, I cried intensely because for a brief moment, I genuinely believed there was an intruder. I was scared and confused. I still have no idea what actually transpired, and each attempt to rationalize it leaves me even more perplexed. I hope to receive feedback and am willing to answer questions, as long as they're not too personal. I kindly request that only serious comments be shared, as I'm genuinely concerned. Thank you. This occurred in the spring of 2018 while I was hiking the Appalachian Trail near the McAfee Knob in Virginia. I'd been hiking for a week at this point. I live in western North Carolina and was planning on about another two weeks. On the AT, I've been on a ton of hikes, but this one was quite terrifying. It was mid-May and the scenery was breathtaking. I'd been hiking for about five hours that day when I decided to set up camp near a small brook. I was settling down for the night when I heard this rustling in the bushes nearby. Now it wasn't the sort of rustling you would dismiss as a rabbit or a squirrel. This was louder and heavier. It sent a shiver down my spine. I remember thinking that maybe somebody else was out there or maybe a deer. I tried not to think about it, but the noise continued and in the exact same spot just off the campsite. It wasn't getting fainter or moving along, so I grabbed my flashlight and I headed towards the noise. As I was getting closer, the rustling stopped, but I could feel something. It's hard to explain, but it was like I could feel eyes on me. This feeling of being watched was overwhelming, like I was on display. I showed my flashlight around, but there was nothing to see, just trees and bushes and the blackness beyond my light. It was then that I heard it. I might even go so far as to say I felt it. There was a low growl, deep and guttural. I could feel it vibrate through the ground. I felt a sense of dread, like I was definitely in danger. My heart was racing, and I was finding it hard to even breathe. My mind was yelling, Get out of there! But my body wouldn't listen. Then something happened. This figure slowly emerged from the shadows. It wasn't just any figure. It was enormous and standing on two legs, silhouetted against the sparse moonlight. I felt my heart leap to my throat. I mean, we've all heard the stories right about Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it. To actually see one, well, that is different. You have to remember that the light wasn't the best. There was no real moon that night, but when my flashlight hit the thing, oh my God, I could see that it was gigantic. I mean, it was really tall. I'd say easily eight or even nine feet. It towered above me, giving off this sense of pure, raw power that can completely overwhelm me. It was broad, and its shoulders seemed as wide as a small car. No exaggeration. Its arms hung down almost to its knees, rippling with muscle under the hair that was matted and black, sort of blending with the shadows. Around its face... Well, that's something I will never forget. It was more human-like than ape-like, but still not quite human. Its eyes were large and expressive, shining in the light with an intelligence that startled me. The nose was flat, more like ours than a bear or a wolf. The mouth, when it gaped open, I could see its teeth and even its breath as it exited its mouth in a slow stream of steam. 
The teeth were large, and they looked very sharp. It was a terrifying sight, the kind of thing you would expect to see in a nightmare, not on a peaceful hike in the Appalachian woods. The sound it made was a deep, rumbling growl that seemed to shake the very ground beneath me. There was like a primal rawness, a sort of power that you can't really put into words. Then suddenly it let out a roar that echoed through the forest, making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Then, just as suddenly, it disappeared from the light of my flashlight. I swung the light slowly back and tried to pinpoint the thing's current location, but I couldn't see anything at all, just that I was alone again, standing there in the pitch black with my heart pounding. That's when I realized that sweat was pouring down from my face and my chest. I hadn't even been aware of what was happening to my body until just then. As you can imagine, I didn't sleep a wink that night. Every noise, every shadow had me on edge. I couldn't wait for the day to break. So, just as soon as the sun started peeking over the mountains, I packed up my stuff and I headed onward. There was no real place to go but to continue on the AT. I did cut the hike short. I didn't make those full final two weeks. I just couldn't get over what had happened. I will tell you that since the encounter I had been back to the Appalachian Trail, but never to that same spot. I can't say I'd ever want to see that section of the trail ever again. My unit and I were stationed at a training base in the Croatian National Forest. We were told that there had been sightings of this creature and it was very dangerous, so we were on guard for anything really. One night, while driving with my navigator, I saw something very large go up in a tree about 100 to 150 yards from the road. My NCO, I see, also saw this and identified it as a cryptid. I didn't know what that was. I was too busy concentrating on driving in order to avoid hitting whatever it was because it happened so fast. I was convinced it was going to land right in the road, so I have no... After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. No idea what kind of being it was. What we saw was a large, long, dark, furred creature leap from off a dirt road and into the middle of the road. It had been standing next to a tree just outside the woodland that runs parallel to this very desolate stretch of rural highway. It quickly leaps out of view from the road off into the tree line, disappearing for good. At that point, I was just a young soldier at the time. It is the only cryptid sighting of my entire life. It had been a clear night with rain earlier that day, so visibility was good even into the woods that were about 20 to 50 yards from each side of this two-lane road. We stopped and got out to take a look around, but with no flashlight, we had no real idea of what direction to walk. To be honest, I was too freaked out to go into the woods for a closer look myself. We both said that whatever it was must have moved through very quickly and back off into the darkness. 
We did not hear anything past our own hearts racing. At this point, I've been in the Army now for 23 years, and not much faces me anymore. The one thing that will always stick out in my mind was this encounter. I am a believer of UFOs, but when it comes to cryptids such as Bigfoot or whatever it was, if it leaves tracks you can find them, then I'm more than willing to believe it exists. Here's another story. I was at Fort Bragg. It was about 1 a.m. I was sitting on the ground outside waiting for a security checkpoint to clear when I heard something crashing through the trees just over my shoulder towards my right side. If you imagine yourself in that situation, then you have a good example of how I felt. I heard this crashing through the woods sound not more than 20 feet behind me, but there was nothing to be seen other than the trees shaking like crazy. When I turned around and looked, I saw something brown about the size of a small bear covered in fur with black hair all over its face. It kind of had a long tail and pointy ears and no hair on the very top of its face. I would say it was maybe no more than 200 pounds. I began to get very scared and started to pull out my pistol when this thing turned and saw me, ran back into the woods, and was now gone. I felt like it wasn't going to hurt anybody and that I was safe. But if you saw this thing, you would understand why I started reaching for my pistol. The whole encounter maybe lasted 5 to 10 seconds at most. The Texas highway stretched out before me, a ribbon of asphalt cutting through the barren landscape. I was on my usual route, hauling a load of logs to a remote rural town. The sun was starting to dip below the horizon, casting long shadows across the road. It was a lonely drive, but I was used to the solitude. It was just me, my trusty old truck, and the open road. As I drove along, the rhythmic hum of the engine and the monotonous scenery started to lull me into a sense of tranquility. I was lost in my thoughts, my mind wandering to everything and nothing all at once. But that peaceful reverie was abruptly shattered when I saw something that sent a jolt of adrenaline through my veins. Up ahead in the middle of the road stood a group of figures. My foot instinctively eased off the gas pedal as I squinted to get a better look. At first I thought they were a pack of wild dogs, but as I drew closer my blood turned to ice in my veins. These creatures were like no dogs I'd ever seen. They were bipedal, standing on their hind legs like humans. Their bodies were covered in mottled coarse fur, and their eyes glowed a sinister shade of red. Their snouts were long and black, and their mouths were filled with rows of sharp, gleaming teeth. The most unnerving thing of all was that they seemed to be communicating with each other in a language that was anything but natural. It was guttural and otherworldly, like a symphony of discordant sounds. I honked my horn, hoping to scare them away. But instead of scattering, the pack of creatures dissolved into the shadows and started to converge on my truck. Panic surged through me and I slammed on the gas pedal, my heart racing as I tried to speed past them. But they were faster than I could have ever imagined. One of them leaped onto the side of my truck, its claws scraping against the metal as it tried to pry open the door. Another slammed its massive body against my window, its red eyes boring into mine. They were relentless. 
their movements coordinated and calculated. It was as if they were working together with a single purpose to get to me. I felt a surge of primal fear, my instincts taking over as I pushed the truck's accelerator to the floor. The engine roared to life, and the truck surged forward, tires screeching on the pavement. The creatures were still hot on my tail, their inhuman speed allowing them to keep up with my speeding truck. For what felt like an eternity, the pursuit continued. My heart hammered in my chest and sweat poured down my brow. The howls and growls of the creatures echoed in my ears, drowning out all other sounds. But slowly I began to gain some distance between us. The wind howled in my ears as I pushed the truck to its limits, praying that I could outrun whatever they were. And then, as suddenly as they had appeared, they stopped. I risked a glance in my rearview mirror and saw the creatures standing on the road, watching me with their glowing red eyes. And then, one by one, they began to fade it into the darkness, disappearing as if they were never there. Relief flooded through me, and I let out a shaky breath that I hadn't realized I'd been holding. I pulled over to the side of the road, my heart still racing, my hands trembling on the steering wheel. I sat there for a moment, trying to process what had just happened. I knew that I had encountered something beyond explanation that night. Those creatures, whatever they were, were unlike anything I had ever encountered. As I drove the rest of the way to the rural town, the image of those glowing red eyes haunted me. And even though I made it out of that ordeal alive, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had come face to face with something ancient and otherworldly, something that should have never existed in the first place. It doesn't happen while hiking, but it did happen late at night, and it was near an area frequented by hikers. It is still the oddest and creepiest things that happened to me, despite being 15 years ago. I was 19 at the time and was driving late at night in the desert. I was going around a bend when I noticed something sitting in the middle of road. When I was still not close enough for my headlights to reflect the object, so it looked like some sort of large cat sitting in the road, eating something. Except, when I finally got close enough to actually see it, it was not just a cat, it looked like some sort of cat-human hybrid, human face with cat ears, eyes that glowed when it looked into my lights, long limbs and patches of fur are the biggest things I remember. The thing immediately ran off on all fours when it noticed me, that messed me up for a while. I had heard stories of creatures that were mutated by radiation from government experiments back in the 40s, but had never really believed them. One time, a few years ago, I had some free time in the fall, so I went to the woods for a couple days. I sleep under a tarp because I enjoy building the shelter, and I use the fallen leaves as a sleeping pad. One night I heard some leaves rustling thirty or forty feet away from camp. When I heard it, I figured it was a squirrel or something, but then it made a beeline for me. I heard much more defined steps, and my heart drops. Whatever it is, it's coming. Closer and closer, and it's sprinting. I couldn't see a thing. But when it got maybe ten feet from my shelter, it just runs off in the other direction, 
scared the absolute shit out of me. Never felt such a primal fear like that before. Could it be a Bigfoot? Camping in the woods with my ex, she wakes me up around 3 a.m. whispering that there's a noise outside. Something touching the van. I beat the horn and a loud noise sounded like a bunch of feet running away. Managed to go back to sleep. Wake up around 7 to start breakfast and exit the tent to find a bunch of footprints around the tent and van, as well as what looked like claw marks on the trunk and side doors of the van. We left later that day instead of staying the last two days of our trip. It was the summer of 2015 and I was in 12th grade. Me and two other friends went on the camping trip in Alberta, Canada. The drive up was normal. We got to the campsite. And oh yeah, one of my friends, who we will call Jeff Brock, his girlfriend, who we will call Jane. So when we pulled up to our camp spot, we unloaded our gear, then had lunch, and then we went on for a hike. Around 3 o'clock we came back, around 5.15. And for about four hours, we sat around the campfire telling stupid stories and other stuff like that. But this is when S gets too real. We started to get the feeling we were being watched. Which is weird because there was no one around us for about a whole kilometer. So we thought it just might be a fella camper. So I yelled out, hey, but no response. So we just ignored it. Later that night, I woke up to the sound of snapping twigs. I looked out of the tent curiously. And what I saw was a creature about 20 meters away from the tent. It was about 8 feet tall with nut-brown hair. And that's all I could really see in the moonlight. So I woke up my friend, and he went pale. He slowly closed the tent zipper and looked at me and said, It's right outside. I told them that's impossible because it was just 20 meters away. I was staying with a girlfriend of mine while I was in college. She lived just north of Solomon's Island in southern Maryland. On a small note, she lived at the top of a ravine in the middle of the woods. She didn't have neighbors for about half a mile in each direction. It was late on a Saturday at the beginning of the summer. I say late, but it was really early, probably about 2.30, 3 a.m., I couldn't sleep, so I decided to go outside and sit on the deck reading and listening to music. It was really nice out, so I figured why not. Her porch patio was big and had an outside light that shined about 30 feet to the edge of the woods where it stopped and the night took over. As I sat and enjoyed my book and music, I began to notice something. You know, when you have your headphones on and you can still hear the external sound, well, I kept hearing a rustling. It sounded like leaves rustling, but every time I hit pause and looked, the sound went away. This went on for about five or six more times until I had enough. I knew I heard it. I wasn't crazy, so I paused the music. As soon as I did, I heard the rustling. I shot up and looked at its origin. Still nothing in sight, but the sound remained. I expected to see a squirrel or a rabbit scurrying about, but nothing. And the longer I listened, I realized that it was not the only thing nearby. There were three, all moving in unison, just beyond the light's reach. Again at first, 
I figured squirrels, rabbits, or maybe even a raccoon, given the hour. But the next part is what changed my whole perspective. As I stood there staring into the abyss, trying to find the origin of all the mild ruckus, an acorn flew past my head. At first I thought, oh, it fell. Nope. They were being thrown from the darkness. My mind was racing. Oh, my God, Bigfoot. That is all that I could think of. So I started picking up the acorns and throwing them back, trying to escalate the situation, you know, and hoping I can catch a glimpse. After about five minutes, I grew tired of our game and wanted to test the boundaries. I started walking off the porch with a spare golf club in my hand from my girlfriend's brother's set and headed for the woods. Now, most people who spend any amount of time in the woods will tell you that there's always sound in woods. Nothing. Not a freaking sound. It truly was a deafening silence. No crickets, no breeze, no bugs. Zero zip nada. The only time this happens is when a predator is nearby. I'm an experienced hunter, and I know everything that could be in those woods. Nothing would make it that quiet. A feeling of dread washed over me when all sound left. It was like those moments when time slowed down before an accident. But I pushed on because I'd come this far. No time to chicken out now. I started to move closer to the front of the house, walking up the lane when I was altered to one of the wildest roars I've ever heard. Foxes will make a sound that resembles a woman's scream. This thing was otherworldly. It sounded like a mixture of a human scream, coupled with a silverback gorilla roar. Nothing makes that sound. Every hair on my body stood up. I had never in my life heard something so grotesque and inhuman. The worst part was that it was about 30 yards away in the woods. I'm sure it was watching my every move. So without turning my back to the woods, I slowly crept back to the house, locking the door behind me. I tried to tell my girlfriend, but she thought I was just high. It was real. It happened. I just don't know what it was. I'm a yeah, yeah, seasoned hiker with a penchant for exploring the remote wilderness. My latest adventure began with anticipation as I ventured into the heart of this untamed region. Armed with a backpack and hiking gear, I embarked on a multi-day trek through dense forests, steep mountains, and serene lakeshores. The initial days of my journey were as expected. Demanding hikes, peaceful campfires, and the soothing sounds of nature. It was an adventure that rekindled my connection with the wild, offering freedom and self-discovery. Yet as days turned into nights, an unsettling shift occurred. On the fourth day, an ominous presence cloaked the once familiar sounds of the wilderness. Birds fell silent and the forest felt foreboding. Strange sounds emerged. Trees marked by claw, like scars and animal, remained stripped to the bone. I realized I was no longer the apex predator. I had become prey. Fear gripped me, but my determination to find an exit pushed me forward. The sensation of being watched grew stronger, and guttural growls haunted the eerie silence. My flashlight and knife offered fragile comfort. Finally, I reached a cliff summit glimpsing the lurking predator below. 
an elusive and formidable presence. With nowhere to go, it retreated into the wilderness. Exhausted yet resolute, I continued, returning to civilization with a story of survival, a testament to the unbreakable spirit of a solitary hiker in the Pacific Northwest wilderness. Back in 1957, my mother, father, and little sister, who was six, were picnicking near Rouse's Point, New York, on the shore of Lake Champlain. At one point, my sister walked to the end of a dock and looked into the water. She turned to leave and heard a noise behind her. She turned and saw two black-webbed hands appear at the end of the dock. Then suddenly, a child-sized head appeared. At this point, she screamed and ran back to us and told us what she saw. Her scream had already alarmed us, and we were running towards her to see what was wrong. After she told us what happened, my father told us to stay here and went to inspect the dock where he found two web-like handprints at its end. Well, the picnic was over. Many times I heard my father relate this story to friends and relatives. Sometimes they would nod their heads and recount their odd stories of the lake. Two more things. Years later, when my sister saw the old movie, the creature from the Black Lagoon, she swears that it was similar to the creature she saw that day. When my father, who liked to fish on the lake, passed away, I was going through his belongings to find, at the bottom of his tackle box, a loaded forty-five caliber pistol. Odd for a tackle box, but I guess he thought better safe than sorry. I'm 70, and it makes no difference to me if you believe this story or not. I'm just relating what happened years ago while on a picnic. Thank you. I recently had an interesting encounter in the forest with my girlfriend. We go to this place as a gathering spot to heal, to learn. I've always had a relationship with Bankhead National Forest in Alabama. From the first time I visited the place, I felt the profound spiritual essence of the forest. I have often been able to bond with the forest creatures there. On the most recent trip, we went with no dogs and were not that well prepared. By the time we were ready to leave the backfalls, it was already getting dark. We had to really hustle to get out of the forest and back up to the trailhead leading back to the car. At one point, all our lights went out and phones died. It's at this critical point on the trail where we have to take a side trail off the marked trail to get back up to the car. Luckily, we spot the exit and make our way back up hills towards the car. Right as we make it out of the forest and can see the last bit of sunlight through the low branches to guide us out, and in this final moment of the trip, a noise I can't quite place nor accurately describe reverberated through the forest. What sounded like an Asgard plasma beam dropping through the canopy of the forest, trees crashing and limbs breaking, and then we heard the creature itself let out something like a large animal's snort combined with a demon's laugh. Never heard anything like this at Bankhead. My first thought was Skinwalker. We both felt like we were being watched for a time down by the water. Oh, man, my stepbro and I did this a lot. We've seen the gambit from ball lightning to ghost lanterns drifting through fields. We heard drum beats in the night, 
and even got locked into a barn when no one else was around. Day was back before he nearly drank himself to death. Creepiest thing I've seen on a night hike, though. Firm, gonna give this one to the hunting lodge. So my bro and I sat on this fence about a half mile put from the lodge at night, and we would just talk about life. Being in the middle of nowhere, the moon lit things up just enough that you could see things mostly clearly. Well, as we are talking, this light suddenly turns on in the smallest room of the lodge. This room is at the end of a hallway, too, and is one that's notorious for shit going down in. We're talking housekeepers hearing bootsteps coming down the hall towards the room, radios turning on and off, the works. Well, on goes the light. We go quiet and stare at it. You see that, too? Yep. It just turned on, right? Yep. We watch for a long time, debating on if we should investigate. We decide not to, as the folks leasing the lodge don't really like us. No need to spook some random person to them. We watch that thing for a solid hour or so, and then suddenly it turned off. All right. Cool. Party's over. Next night comes around and same thing, only this time we're armed with knowledge. We have confirmed via the ranch foreman that knows there. He swung by to check after hearing our story. Well, we decided to be brave. We went to check it out. We has to stand on tippy toes to peer in the window. And ask me if it isn't the damn TV on a static channel. We did not like that. We buggered right out of there. Right when we got back to our good old fence posts, the thing turned off. Off this. We tell the foreman the next day, who happens to be my grandfather. He stares at us as if calculating his response. Not possible. I turned the power off yesterday. Tree was rubbing on the lines and causing sparks. Almost caused a fire. When we turn off power, we legitimately kill it. As in... The lines going into the house were dead thanks to a kill switch installed in key locations by PGE. My grandfather checked the place out after that, couldn't get the TV to turn on. He advised us to just steer clear for a bit. We went out again after a few nights of avoiding our nighttime hikes. Nothing happened until we went to hike home. Suddenly the light came on. That was the last time we saw that static light from the TV. But man, did it leave us not wanting to see it ever again. In the summer of 2014, I was driving around the lake roads of Villas County in northern Wisconsin with a friend late at night. We come up to this white owl sitting in the middle of the road. I might have thought nothing of it except that it didn't move. I stopped my car in front of it, tried honking and flashing my lights, and it just stared us down. So I crept around it. We get up the road about two miles more and turn a corner. There in the middle of the road is this really long, slender white figure sprawled out, taking up nearly the entire span of the street. My friend and I freaked out. I swear she even yelled, Alien! From a distance, it did distinctly look like a humanoid figure with a notable shoulder formation and limbs. So I drive up a little closer to it, and it becomes clear that the thing is another white owl, with its wings spread out like it is dead or taking a defensive posture. I'm not sure. I had to drive partly in the grass to get around it. The whole time my friend freaked out. Go, 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 go! 
Let's get back into town. Looking back, there are definitely a couple strange things about that incident, other than the weird coincidence of seeing two white owls behaving strangely out there, in a region where white owls aren't that common. The first weird thing is that the way the figure appeared to us from a distance was so different from what it became when we got up close. My brain doesn't really like processing it. The other weird thing is that the figure was so long. I don't think that any owl has a wingspan as long as this wingspan would have had to be for it to take up the entire road like that. Then about three weeks later, I was with two different friends driving around again. I had my window down and a white owl swooped down from the trees. You could see it leaving the trees from the front windshield, but there was no time to react before it nearly flew into my open window. I remember seeing its face there like inches from mine in that split second before it veered back up. This was shortly before I developed really bad anxiety for the first time. I got home one night that summer after I'd been out pretty late and I had a sore throat. So I looked in the mirror and in the back of my throat, on the wall just past the uvula was a hole, about the size of a pencil eraser. It was a very perfect shape and it had smooth edges like it wasn't a wound. There was no pus around it, no bleeding. It made no sense at all. I understandably freaked out, rushed in, and made my mom look. I was about 18, still living with my mom. She didn't believe me at first, but then I remember seeing the look on her face go from skepticism to horror when she actually peered inside my mouth. But when we got to the hospital, whatever had been wrong with my throat was fixed. There was no evidence that a hole had ever been back there, aside from my mom, and I both insisting there was. The doctor basically treated us both like we were crazy and said it was physically impossible for there to be a disappearing hole in the mouth. After that, I had horrible anxiety for years. I quit smoking and developed an OCD-like obsession with washing my hands and checking my throat. That mystery was never solved, and it's honestly a really horrible moment in my life that's taken me years to come to terms with. Do you believe that the white owls were harbingers and are the cause of the strange incidents? For a few years in my early 20s, I was living on the East Coast. My area ran right along the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I'd often go on short day hikes with a few friends along the marked paths in the afternoons, when we were all free. A few times I'd gone alone, but I always kept to the same few areas and knew my way around well. On this particular day, I'd waited a little later into the afternoon for my friends so we could go up the trails. But they ended up busy, and I, feeling fat after a whole pizza for lunch with soda, Decided to get in the car and go hike it off by myself to ease my guilty conscience. There's some particular trails I like to use. They shoot you straight up an incline to get your cardio in quick and hard, and then an adjoining smaller path winds you back down around the other side of the face. About a third of the way down, there's trees to the right and a steep-ish hill on the left that drops down to a low spot where I could usually spot deer herds and fun stuff. I struggled going up that day, and I'd waited later than usual, so it was probably close to 7, 7, 10 p.m. by the time I reached the fork and turned back downhill. Midfall, this meant it was fairly dark by that time. 
As I'm walking, I notice a person in the valley. She had on a long pinky white dress, and by the way she was changing positions and shuffling around, it looked like she was in the middle of a photo shoot. I couldn't see the photographer, and it was a little late for photos, but I figured the camera person was probably in the tree line, and that they were likely finishing up after golden hour. I stopped to watch for a second, thinking how great a spot it was for some really awesome pictures. All of a sudden it was as if she fell. She didn't lower herself. There was no crouching or sitting motion. It was more like watching a glitch in real life. She was standing, and then she was face down on the ground with her legs bent up under her body. I got this really awful feeling, all of a sudden like shivers down my neck, without taking my eyes off her. She started crawling on all fours, right up the hill, towards the trail I was on. She wasn't on her knees, though. She was basically running on her hands and feet. Maybe I was just freaked out, but she was closing in far faster than it seemed like she should be. It was almost like she'd been sped up, but the rest of the world was still moving by just the same. I wish I could say I'd pulled my phone out and gotten video evidence, or at least taken a picture, or been brave and kicked some spooky ass. But I was suddenly overcome with an intense feeling of danger, and I fell, ran the rest of the way back to the parking lot without looking back even once. I peeled out of there and haven't gone back since. The weirdest part is that my car had been the only one in the lot when I got back to it and that area isn't super accessible by any other park and hike-type trailheads that I know of. I wrote it off as crazy drugs and nothing more, but I don't know. I told my friends, and a few of them went out later that night to investigate. Super-duper smart idea, I know, but nobody has even seen anything like that out there since.